you that you are working things together for our good. You said all things work together for our good. I'm going to say it again, Lord. You said all things work together for our good. And so whatever things are going on in our lives right now, Lord, regardless of how it looks, regardless of how it feels, Father, you're bigger than the way it looks and the way it feels. You are working things together for our good. And I felt like, Father, that tonight you wanted a higher level of agreement from us. Father, I just have a sense that, you know, our our minds and our emotions and our words, they can come out of such a place of just wrong focus. They can come out of woundedness. They can come out of pressure from the outside world. They can come out of just circumstantial difficulties and trials and tribulations, God. I thank you that even though our thoughts and our emotions and our words can get wild and unruly at times, I thank you that you can always remind us that today is the day of salvation and that it's never too late to begin again. And I felt tonight, Lord, that you wanted us to come into a higher level of agreement with you, first of all, by just saying a simple prayer. You put this prayer in my heart. And so for every listener that's listening whether you're here in person or you're listening to the podcast, I just want you to repeat after me wherever you are. I just want you to say, Father, I cancel every thought, every word, and every emotion that is not in agreement with the truth of Jesus Christ. And I declare that these things have no authority in my life because I say so in Jesus' name. And I've been given Jesus' name, and I can use it. I'm not a victim of my thoughts, of my emotions, of my feelings, of my circumstances, of any human being, any spiritual being because I am one with Jesus Christ regardless of how I feel regardless of what I'm thinking and regardless of what I've been speaking but I'm choosing right now to cancel all that mess and come right back into alignment with who I am in Christ because I choose to and I can in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So father, I'm just releasing your grace tonight over this message. You know, every single listener 
You know what is going on in their lives. You know what they've been through. You know what they're facing right now, Father. You know the circumstances. You know the challenges. You know, you know the lies they're believing. You know the upgrade that you are releasing in their life. You know the truth that sets them free. And so, Father, I'm asking you just to up-level every listener. I'm asking you to use this message, Father, as a next step. On the stairway (laughs) to the fullness of the manifestation of who they are in Christ. Father, I just declare an up level, a next level. I just think, I just think with you tonight, Lord, and I speak as you tonight, Lord. I yield and I say, use this message in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I, I just really have a, a sense tonight that this is going to be kind of a, a prophetic opportunity for folks to kind of draw a land in the spirit, a land, a line in the spirit tonight. And I kind of see this le- this kind of la- line in the sand where when you cross over that line, it's a new level. It's a new day. It's a... It's a, it's a turning point. It's a, it's a change of direction. It's an up level, like I talked about. And I, I have a feeling that everybody, it's available to anybody that wants it. Whosoever will. <laughs> them that have ears, let them hear tonight. And, you know, I, I want to tell you that on the way to your destiny, on the way to, the, to fulfilling your purpose on the planet, like it or not, a lot of times we go in circles. Can I get an amen? <laughs> right? <laughs> we go in circles. We go in cycles. We go in cycles. And, you know, we, you know, it's kind of like, right, you divorce the one husband, you marry the next one, and it's the same thing, different last name. <laughs> right? Or you, you quit the job and you get a new one and, it's the same paycheck, different company. You know, it's, 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 why is that? Why, why is it, why do we go in cycles? We go in cycles because we have yet to learn the lesson. We have yet to learn the truth that up levels us to the new road. And I, I, I want to, I, I just kept sensing tonight when we did, did our worship you know, pre-recording the podcast here, I just kept hearing, I kept hearing the word freedom. I kept hearing the word break out. You know, the, I, as I came into July, July 4th, I didn't think of it till just now, but July 4th is a big holiday here in the States. We have listeners all over the world. So 4th of July is Independence Day here in America. And it is kind of the month of freedom here in, here in America. We, we, we celebrate our freedom here early in the month. And so it kind of makes sense now in retrospect, now that it's mid-July, that God was speaking to me. I didn't put two and two together. I'm a little slow. But I didn't put two and two together that he kept speaking words like, he kept speaking breakthrough over this month. I kept feeling a, a, a new level of freedom 
that is going to break us out of, for some people, it's literally going to be patterns that we've been dealing with for decades. I really felt that this, this is that time for us. And, you know, you hear these words, I feel like sometimes, and, and, you know, number one, we forget. We kind of forget the word. But I don't want you to just take that you're listening to this message like, oh, I'm just listening to another message. I really want you to believe that you are listening to this message by divine appointment. And by divine appointment, I mean it's not just an appointment on on your calendar that got you here, but this is an appointment on the Father's calendar for you. You know what? The Father is mindful of you. He is so mindful of you. As a matter of fact, I feel like I'm supposed to go to this one scripture to kick us off tonight just to remind you of how mindful the Father is of you. And what I, when I say mindful, I mean, you know, Willie Nelson, when he wrote the song, You Were Always on My Mind, that was actually a song that God was writing to you. Okay? Because <laughs> you are always, always on his mind. I'm kind of making a joke there. Not a very good one. But the point is that you are always, always on his mind. So let's go to Psalm 139 tonight, and let's start there. In Psalm 139, in verse 1, it says, Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. You perceive every movement of my heart and soul. And you understand my every thought before it even enters my mind. You are so intimately aware of me, Lord, you read my heart like an open book. And you know all the words I'm about to speak, even before I start a sentence. Listen to this, you guys. This is how the Father knows you. He says, David, the psalmist, is saying this. He's talking about the Father. He says in verse 5, You know every step I will take before my journey even begins. You've gone into my future to prepare the way. And in kindness, you follow me, you follow behind me, rather, to spare me from the harm of my past. I'm going to read this again. You've gone into my future to prepare the way, and in kindness, you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. With your hand of love upon my life, you impart a blessing to me. This is just too wonderful, deep, and incomprehensible. I'm going to say it again. This is just too wonderful, deep, and incomprehensible. You know why it's too wonderful, too deep, and incomprehensible? Because most of us feel like we don't deserve that. Most of us feel like we have to earn good things, that we have to earn good a good life, that we have to uh, work for good things. And the Father knows everything about you, every thought, 
every movement of your heart. He understands you. Let me say this better than you understand yourself. I'm going to say it one more time. He understands you better than you understand yourself. You are completely known. This is an intimacy. This is a knowing that no other human being can ever know you with. I don't care how wonderful of a marriage you have. (laughs) The most incredible marriage on the planet, the most incredible love affair, the most incredible love story that you've ever heard, Gone with the Wind, right? Sleepless in Seattle. Outlander, you name it. The most incredible romance novel you've ever read. It does not compare to the way that you are known by the Father, by the Son, and by the Holy Spirit. You were created to be known, to be loved, to be known, to be seen, to be known, (laughs) to be understood. And your desire has already been met. This is not something that someday you're gonna, you're gonna get. (laughs) You are not gonna be more known tomorrow than you are today. You're not gonna be more loved tomorrow than you are today. You are not gonna be more worthy of, of God's unconditional favor and grace than you are today. From His perspective, you are perfect. Why? Because you are one with him. You are one with Christ. When you said Jesus is Lord, when you, when you confessed, man, the cross, that's true. That happened. Jesus was the son of God. He is the son of God. He was crucified for the sins of the world. And guess what? I'm, <laughs> that's including me. <laughs> when you, when you believe that, when you say that, you, you just are just entering into the experience of being known. And I'll tell you, this is the deepest cry of the human heart. This is the deepest need of a human being. It's to be understood. It's to be known. It's to be, let me say this, accepted. Exactly for who you are in your ignorance. (laughs) Just in your imperfectedness of understanding what is true. And, and it's not, you don't, you don't get this knowing and this love and this, this passion and this protection because you do something. Because you were known, it says in Ephesians chapter one, you were chosen, it says in Ephesians chapter one, before the foundation of the world. You were known before you had self-awareness. You were war- you were known before you knew your name. So verse 6, it says after this, it says, this is just too wonderful, deep, and incomprehensible. It says, your understanding of me brings me wonder and strength. Verse 7, where could I go from your spirit? Where could I run and hide from your face? If I go to heaven, you're there. If I go to the realm of the dead, you're there too. If I fly with wings into the shining dawn, you're there. If I fly into the radiant sunset, you're there waiting. Wherever I go, your hand will guide me. Your strength will empower me. It is impossible to disappear from you. Verse 8. 
or ask the darkness to hide me. For your presence is everywhere, bringing light into my night. There is no such thing as darkness with you. The night to you is as bright as the day. There's no difference between the two. You formed my innermost being, shaping my delicate inside and my intricate outside, and wove them together in my mother's womb. I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. Everything you do is marvelously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it. How thoroughly you know me, Lord. You even formed every bone in my body when you created me in the secret place, carefully, skillfully shaping me from nothing to something. Listen to verse 16. You saw who you created me to be before I became me. You saw who you created me to be before I became me. I'm going to stop here for a minute because God is not confused. Okay, you might be, but he's not confused. He knows exactly who he created you to be. He knows the plans and the purposes that he has for you. And he is moving in your life right now to get you in agreement with who he created you to be. And so this next up level, this next level is about a higher level of agreement with the father And it's specifically about a higher level of agreement with who he created you to be. Okay, you are not who you think you are. (laughs) You are better and more amazing than your most biggest amazing imagination about yourself. You are the glory of Jesus Christ. You are the manifestation of God's glory. You are the manifestation of God himself. You were recreated in Christ. You weren't just created in his image and in his likeness, like we read about in in Genesis, you were recreated in Christ and made a new creature. And there has never been a species of being like you before. You are divine. You are a divine (laughs) work of art. And God sees you as a completed work of art. You're, you, I know you, we see ourselves as a work in process. And as our minds are renewed, obviously, we, and we come more into agreement with who God created us to be, we see more manifestation of who God created us to be. But really, the mind renewal process is just about agreement. 
It's just about a revealing to you of the truth, of who you are. Because when you see yourself as you really are, you can be yourself as you really are. The problem is, is that through our life experiences, we've been programmed to believe a version of ourselves that is not truly who we are. We've been labeled by a world system. We've been labeled by life experiences. And as a result, we are confused. We aren't exactly sure about who we are. And so it's a revelatory process. This next level of agreement is a revelatory process. It's seeing something that you haven't seen before so that you can be something you haven't been before. I'm going to say it again. It's seeing something you haven't seen before. It's seeing yourself in a way you haven't seen before so that you can be something you haven't been before. I'm thinking about just a couple of examples that I could give with this. I mean, I have seen God do this in my own life countless and countless and countless times. And there is, I just want to come back to this, there is a revelation of you. I want you to write this down. There is a revelation of me. If you're driving... Just look at the number (laughs) of this part on the recording. And when you get home, come back here and write this down because this is important. There is a revelation of you that God wants to show you. I'm going to say it again. There is a revelation of you that God wants to show you. Now, how is he going to show you this? Well, you know, he shows us in lots of different ways. I mean, he can show you through a dream. He can show you through a prophetic word. He can show you through a vision or through just a conversation that you have with him. But I want to say this. Your self-image, it's called an image, your self-image. It's called a self-image because it is the way that you see yourself. It's an image. It's like a self-portrait that you look at that says, this is who I am. And that self-image is what God is coming after. When I say there's a revelation of you, there's, it's like you're going to, you know, Olin Mills and getting a new portrait. Okay. You're going to get a new picture of yourself. Yeah, in in the 80s, we did glamour shots. Okay, I'm aging myself. But I literally have those at home. And one of these days, I will post them on my Facebook group because you will die laughing. Oh, my gosh. I had one with a little fur, like, stole. And I had, like, this look on my face that was, I don't even know how to describe it. But the point is, that was a completely different portrait of myself than what I normally looked like. I didn't walk around with a, a, you know, a stole on my shoulders, believe it or not. You know, you'd think that's probably how I, I woke up every day, but no. 
But the point is, it was like, you know, you almost dressed up. I mean, when you went into the glamour shot place, literally they had this like whole closet and you went in there and you, you know, you picked your outfits and stuff because you were, you were glamorizing yourself. Well, let me say this. These are not glamour shots. These are glory shots. And there is a closet (laughs) that you have clothes to wear and pick from. The word says to be clothed with compassion. It says to put on Christ. I'm telling you, it says that you are clothed in him. But there is this portrait, there is a picture of you that exists that God wants to show you. And the way God works is he, first of all, he doesn't talk like us. He doesn't think like us. He doesn't think a single thought of something that he does not want manifested. He does not speak a single word that he does not expect to come to pass. In Romans chapter 4, it's calls, it's talking about in Abraham, right? Talking about Abraham. This is the God that, you know, it says calls the life, <laughs> no, calls the life, calls life to the dead. And it says in the Amplified Version, who speaks of the non-existent things as though they already existed. So God only speaks what he wants. And he only thinks what he knows is going to happen. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So his ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. His words are higher. And so when he sees you and when he he shows you a a portrait of yourself and he is working on an upgrade to your self-image, he is going to show you a you that you're going to perceive as like a future you. He's going to show you doing something you've never done before. He's going to show you having something you've never had before. He's going to show you going places you've never gone before. He is a teller of the future. And he is speaking of your future as though it already exists as well. When he called Abraham the father of a nation, he just, it was, yes, that's just who Abraham was. When he called Peter, Peter, the rock, instead of Simon, he was just speaking who Peter actually was. He was just revealing their identity to them. They were confused. They didn't have the things in their life at the moment that God's, that was in agreement with who they really were. Abraham was impotent, but yet God said, nope, you're the father of nations. Gideon wasn't a coward. He was hiding under the the tree, when he said, you're a mighty man of valor, you're a great warrior, Gideon. So God is not confused about who you are. He has known you and been totally convinced of who you are before you entered the planet. And it's really just an illusion This image that you're carrying around, this ID, I call it an emerge, I talk about it, your fake ID, right? It's like this fake ID that you have that doesn't even look like you, but it's how you see yourself. And so this next level of agreement is all about you seeing this picture 
this portrait, this glory portrait, this glory shot (laughs) of yourself. Okay, I want to take you to a scripture in John right now that talks about this and talks about the Holy Spirit and how he works to reveal the future. And I want you to begin as of now, as of you're listening to this, I want you to, I just want you to focus on this scripture for a minute because, you know, what we focus on is what manifests. Not only from just a, you know, a faith perspective, but honestly, I, you know, it's, it's just the, a rule of quantum physics that what, what, what we focus on materializes. And I want you, and I'll talk about that in a moment, but I want you to go with me over to, let me find the scripture I'm looking for. I'm going over to um, John, and I'm going to go in a different translation here. So give me just a second on my iPad. Okay, verse 12, John 16, 12. It's, this is Jesus talking. He says, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear to hear them now. So basically what Jesus is saying to his disciples is you can't handle the truth. Not yet. You can't handle the truth. Do you guys ever see that movie with Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson, right? Where he was like, you can't handle the truth. Right? I always, always think of that scripture whenever I see that movie. Because Jesus is saying, I have many more things that I want to tell you, but you can't bear to hear them now. Verse 13, it says, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes... He's going to guide you into all truth, the full and complete truth. And I like to think of it like this, that the Holy Spirit is going to get you to the place where you can handle the truth. It says, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but he will speak whatever he hears from the Father, the message regarding the Son. And listen to this, he will disclose to you what is to come in the future. He will glorify and honor me because he, the Holy Spirit, will take from what is mine and disclose it to you. All things that the Father have are mine. And because I said that he, the Spirit, will take from what is mine, because of this, I said that the Spirit will take from what is mine and reveal it to you. It says, in a little while, you'll no longer see me. And again, in a little while, you will see me. So I want to stop here for a second because this scripture is a very powerful scripture. And you know, if you, there's a principle here that if you, if you preach salvation, people will get saved. If you preach healing, people will get healed. (laughs) If you preach, if you come and listen to messages and you, you start to focus on financial increase and prosperity, you will begin to manifest more financial prosperity. And this particular message is about you seeing the future. There is a breakthrough in your future. Let me say this again. This is so important. There is a breakthrough in your future. It is you. You being you. You being more of you. You being fully you. It's you being who God created you to be. You're breaking through the false image that you believe about yourself. You are breaking through the mental constructs of an image that only exists 
in your mental constructs. It's a programmed you. Hi. It's a programmed you that isn't you. And so this breakthrough, the Holy Spirit's going to show it to you. I mean, I remember, I mean, this is one testimony I'm going to share just because I kept thinking, which one do I share? Because I have so many of these. But I remember, this was years ago. You know, growing up, I was um, very musical. I, uh, you know, I played piano, took piano lessons until I was 16. Uh, people actually, when I was a kid, I did so much singing and stuff, they actually thought that was going to be the primary call of God in my life. And then, you know what? High school happened, so much brokenness in my home, crazy broke out. You know, here I am, a mess, doing drugs, just crazy as a, you know, crazy as a loon. Smoke it, you're just crazy. And completely lost my singing voice. I mean, literally, if you'd heard me sing, I didn't sound like I'd ever been, ever been able to sing. Like, I literally couldn't sing. And in my 30s, Years, and I mean, so much so, it wasn't even, it was not a part of my self-image. I'm telling you, it never occurred to me, like, when I pastored my church for eight years, to, like, go and try to sing or be a part of that. I preached, they sang, right? We had this worship room. We called it the encounter room, and we would just do worship sets, and we would come and soak in the presence of God. And so I used to go into that room, and sometimes I would pray, like they would have a worship set going and I would sit in a chair and I would do, I would pray during the worship set. And I went into the bathroom one day while I was in the encounter room and we were doing a worship set. I was going to the restroom and I go to the mirror and all of a sudden I saw myself, you know, it was like a, a glimpse in my imagination really, but I saw myself in the mirror holding a microphone and singing. And I was like, Like it was like a weird, like a weird flash or whatever. And all of a sudden, this weird, like unleashed part of me started to kind of, I could feel like a crack or something, like a crack in in a door. And I, I could feel myself getting undone. And I, I remember going back into the encounter room because I, we, our, our set wasn't over. And so I, was, I needed to, to complete my set or whatever. And I remember I had my journal. And I was like, what are you doing? You know. And I just wrote this big, big words in my journal, the word believe. And I remember feeling while I was sitting there during the word. I didn't hardly, couldn't hardly speak or pray the rest of the set because I, had, I was so filled with shame. I was so filled with shame and regret and remorse. So much recognition that at one point in my life I'd had a gift that I had abused and lost and not nurtured. And I felt so horrible about it. But I also thought, well, this is the stupidest thing ever at the same time. I was almost mad. And I got in the car that night to drive home. And I told the Lord, I said, listen, if this is true, if this is you, then you got to show it to me in scripture. And before I could even finish the sentence, I heard Song of Solomon chapter 2. And 
you know, for those of you that maybe haven't heard me that much, you know, Song of Solomon chapter 2 is my chapter. This was written specifically for me. <laughs> I'm joking. But the truth is, you know, my name is actually, my middle name is Shalise. My first name is Sharon. And Song of Solomon chapter 2 says, you are the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley. Well, my firstborn is named Lily. And God spoke that chapter of the Bible to me in my deepest, darkest, broken hour. (laughs) I mean, when I was coming out of such incredible brokenness, I don't have words, nor do I really want to spend the time to try to describe it at this point, but it was horrible. And so I would read this over and over again, like it was this personal letter to me, personal letter to me. And so when God said Song of Solomon chapter 2, I'm thinking, it's not in there. Like, what are you talking about? What do you mean Song of Solomon chapter 2? Like, there's nothing in there about me singing in that chapter. And, you know, again, you'd think I would have known better after I've read it all that time. But the reality of it is, was that I was wrong. And so I went home, and I'm just going to read Song of Solomon chapter 2, just the piece of it that he, he took me to. And he says this. In verse 11, the season has changed. The bondage of your barren winter has ended. And the season of hiding is over and gone. The rains have soaked the earth and left it bright with blossoming flowers. The season for singing and pruning the vines has arrived. I hear the cooing of doves in our land filling the air with songs to awaken you and guide you forth. Verse 13, can you not discern this new day of destiny breaking forth around you? The early signs of my purposes and plans are bursting forth. The budding vines of new life are now blooming everywhere. The fragrance of their flowers whispers. There is change in the air. Arise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place. For now is the time to arise and come away with me. For you are my dove, hidden in the split open rock. It was I who took you and hid you up high in the secret stairway of the sky. Let me hear your radiant face Let me see your radiant face and hear your sweet voice. How beautiful your eyes of worship and lovely your voice in prayer. I could keep going, but the Lord is really, really speaking this to me, that this is a prophetic word for this, for this season, that this is the word for July. And yes, this, you know, I'm going to share Song of Solomon chapter two with you guys. And that nice of me. Um, But seriously, this is not just for me. This is for you. And I'm sharing this testimony because when I read this, I was still so, so not believing. You have to, I mean, when I say that singing was not a part of my identity, like I'm, at this point, I'm I'm probably mid to late 40s, 16 Definitely 46, so 26, 30, we're talking 30 years of not doing anything. I had not played, I had not, nothing. 
I got home. I don't even remember if I went to, if it was a nap or I went to bed, but it wasn't enough. I still was just like, this is not true. This is not real. I still wouldn't believe it. Even though he did, he just showed me it in the word from my chapter. I went to sleep and I had a dream. Now this is pretty significant too. And I'm sharing this because it's, it's significant for many ways for whoever's listening today. You know, in my dreams, in my early, like early ministry time, I mean, I was doing so much street ministry. I was way on the south side of Chicago, deep, deep, deep in the hood, deep in very, very dangerous neighborhoods. If you know much about, you know, the south side of Chicago. In Chicago, you know that, I mean, people, it's crazy what goes on in those neighborhoods. I mean, it's one of the highest murder capital rates in the country. And here I was just going in and going, coming out, going and coming like it was, you know, just, you know, the suburban mall or something. And during that time, almost every night when I would go to sleep, I would cast out devils in my dreams. I was in a season where I was meditating on the Christ and you, the hope of glory. If you've heard me teach on Revelation chapter one, Jesus and how scary Jesus from Revelation one lived in me, this was this time. So the point is I literally probably have had well over a thousand dreams of casting out devils. I mean, it's like, you know, I was like, you know, Buffy the demon slayer. Like, you know, cast them out in the bathroom, cast them out in the kitchen, cast them out in the front yard, cast them out in the backyard, cast them in the semi-truck, cast them on the train. I mean, literally, airplanes, underwater, while you're swimming, I mean, just the beach. I mean, every kind of scenario probably that you could think of, of having authority over the enemy, that was my nighttime. But this dream... When I went to sleep, I was standing in front of this old broken down house. It was a white framed house, totally in disarray. It looked like it had been abandoned. There was nobody living in it and it was filthy. It looked scary. It was just this, and I knew even in my dream, it represented a stronghold. There were all these pigs in the front yard and there were puddles of pig poop and pig mud and it was just the most foul stench you can imagine, filthy, filthy stronghold. And I'm walking up the front porch, and it's like there's holes in the porch. You can't really use the stairs very good. And I walk into the front door, and the moment I walk into this abandoned house, the whole right side of my body starts to shrivel up, like like I have cerebral palsy or something. Literally, it just starts to shrivel up. Well, again, I'm thinking, I'm sure in my subconscious mind, oh, well, this is just, you know, Buffy, the demon slayer dream. So I start doing my normal routine, like in the name of Jesus, you know, leave or whatever. So I'm doing my, my Buffy routine and nothing's happening. It's just getting worse. It's getting worse. It's getting worse. I'm almost about to like lose consciousness from this attack on my body. And I heard a voice shout as loud as it could, sing! And I woke up immediately. Well, by this time, God had my attention. And I'm honestly terrified not to. I remember calling the worship leader and telling him the whole thing about how, oh my gosh, I got this thing. And I looked, saw in the mirror, I was holding this microphone. I, I wrote down the word believe. And then I asked for a scripture. He gave me my life, my life chapter. And then I had this dream and I told him the whole story. And I said, I have to get, I have to get to the encounter room right now. You have to teach me to sing. And so I rushed to the encounter room and I, I've never been so scared in my life. And then my knees were shaking. The microphone was shaking. I was so ashamed. I mean, the shame that was hitting me, the embarrassment. It's like, 
All of that was all over me, and I just, I just fought through it. I didn't care if I sounded like, you know, you know, like the person that you just can't even handle it. I just said, I'm just going to do it. I don't care. I don't care. But I pushed. I pushed through it because, honestly, I knew this was God. I knew it was God, even though I hadn't done it, even though it was a dead to my self-image, even though it didn't make sense, even though I didn't have any natural reason to think that this was possible. God was showing me doing something that was not a part of my image. It was not a part. It had died. And some of you are even saying, yeah, but Shalice, you'd done it. You'd at least done it before. No, I'm telling you, it was like I had never done it before. And God is going to show you things. Whether you've done it before or you haven't done it before, that is irrelevant. We are talking about God here. I learned to play chords in a day. That may not seem like a big deal. I'm telling you, I'd never played chords. I played classical. I hadn't even looked at music in decades. It was God. Why am I saying that? Because it's about faith. It's about getting an agreement with who God created you to be. This is not about what you believe you can do. This is about what God created you to do. I'm going to say it again. This is not a what, about what you believe you can do. This is about what God created you to do. And God can change your vocal cords. I sounded different every single time I picked up the microphone. God can change your aptitude for anything. God can give you an endowment to do anything. What can, what can God, what is, what is God not capable of? He created the entire scene realm in seven days. What can he not transform? Anything. And when I say he's going to show you doing something you've never done before or being some way you've never been, but I am not making it up. I didn't even know I was going to say this before I turned on the microphone. This is not some premeditated motive to, to do anything. This is God Almighty saying you are about to experience an up level. You are not going to continue to go around the same mountains. You are about to get an agreement with who he created you to be by his grace because he's God. Hey, and he's going to show you. Now listen, you have a part. You have a part. Yes, God can transform anything, but could he have transformed anything if I hadn't put a mic in my hand and I hadn't opened my mouth by faith? Would he have transformed anything if I hadn't sat down at the keyboard and, and, just, and, and tried to learn? No. He's going to show you, and then you may be shaking in your boots. You may, you may think this is the craziest thing I've ever heard, but you do what he says to do. When he shows you, I mean, I think about another testimony is coming right now with Benny Hinn. Regardless of, you know, you love Benny Hinn, don't like Benny Hinn. Every time I say Benny Hinn, people always have a reaction. I'm not saying it. Just listen. <laughs> Just listen. Because what I'm saying with this one is, Benny Hinn was a stutterer. He could not form a normal sentence. And he was called to preach the gospel. He was a stutter. He could not communicate. And do you know when he, his stutter was healed? When he put the microphone in his, fir, his very first sermon, he preached, and he opened his mouth, and he started to preach. And the moment he started to preach, his stutter was healed. I'm thinking about another, I mean, I could go over and over and over. Gloria Copeland, I know these are preacher stories, but I'm just going to tell this one because whatever the Holy Spirit brings up, I'm going to speak to it. Gloria Copeland, she was so terrified to speak in public. She said she used to go to meetings with Ken, Kenneth 
And they would ask Sister Sister Gloria, can you open in prayer? And she said she would almost slap the people. No, I don't do that. She would not even pray on the microphone. But God told her she was a preacher. And she wrestled with it. But how many of you know, now she's got a ministry that runs written books. I mean, she's an, an even with her Texas accent and everything, she is changing lives with her gift. And so this is not just about your gift, but it is about your gift. I'm going to go back to this part of the Song of Solomon here that it says, let me read this to you. Let me come here. It's so good. The season has changed, it says in verse 11. Okay, then it says this in verse 13. Can you not discern this new day of destiny breaking forth around you? I'm telling you, this is the month of the breakthrough. Your destiny is breaking forth. If you do not know your destiny, if you do not know what God has put you on the planet to do, then, beloved, you're not listening to this for as an accident. You need to email info at shalise.com and you need to schedule. It's called a breakthrough call, by the way, with our team. And you need to trust that God is calling you into a merge because this is the day for your destiny to break forth. But if you do know your destiny and for whatever reason it's been held back, it's been put on hold, there's been something that has has just kept you Going in circles. I'm telling you, you are getting on an exit. This month, there is an exit that you're taking. You are taking an exit. Here's what it says. The early signs of my purposes and plans are bursting forth. Now, I want to go to one other scripture that God has really been speaking to me about this. He's going to show you you. How's he going to show you? I don't know. A dream. A conversation that you have with him. A flash in the mirror. You might be driving down the road and see something. I don't know, but God is going to show you in Jesus' name. He's going to show you something that is going to stretch you. Something, it's it's you. It's a you that you haven't met yet. It's a glory shot. It's a picture of you that you haven't seen before. And I'm going to go to Hebrews chapter uh, 12, verse 1, and the context of this scripture, God had me tonight just kind of sitting with it before we started. Um, and I want to encourage you to do this. This is, um, this is really important because I do really believe there is a line in the sand tonight or today or whenever you're listening to this. You, you have a choice in the matter, beloved. I'm going to say this again. You have a choice in the matter, beloved. No one can stop you. Nothing can stop you. The devil has been defeated. The only thing that really can stop you, I mean, I know my spiritual pop, Bill Winston, used to say this all the time, the only thing that can stop you is you, truthfully. And it, and I know this, at the end of, you know, as we headed into July, I like to say, because June, and we're halfway through the year. It's, you know, at the recording here, we're mid-July, but I mean, you know, here we are halfway through 2019, and one of the things that I, I like to do, and I like those that I coach and that I mentor, I, I talk to them about, is I like them to look back, you know, on what God was speaking at the beginning of the year to them, and what kind of goals were they setting at the beginning of the year. And, and you look at, you know, here you are at the midway point, how, how much, you know, where are you on, in, on this? Have you been going in circles? Have you made any progress at all? And this isn't to condemn you. 
This is to get on page with God. This is to get on God's agenda. Because there's the great thing about God. We can, we can run around in circles for 50 years and really just with God's one instruction, we're, spo- we're, we're right where we're supposed to be. So it's not about con- you know, con- condemnation. or It's really just about the lessons that you've been learning and the, th- the, the journey that you've been on with God. And just where are you? It's like you're taking a pulse and you're saying, okay, where are we? And when I do this, I, you know, this, this, this quarter, I had started a new journal already, and I kind of, I didn't like it. I, I was kind of annoyed with it. I kind of wanted a new one, but I, you know, then, you know, when you start a journal, you feel like you got to finish the journal. So I was kind of using it, even though I didn't really like it, which is also annoying too, because you're kind of annoyed every time you pick it up. But I, anyway, I, I, I felt like God was like, I was, I was kind of in the old journal. I spilled coffee all over the old journal. So that was good because I had to get a new one. But I felt like God would have wanted me to get a new one anyway. So it worked out. But as I got my new journal, I went back through all of my journals for the, for me for the last quarter. Now, some of you aren't even journaling. So for those that you aren't journaling, let me say this. There's no way you're staying on track. Uh, because you know what? Life is full of distractions. We go this way. We forget what God says. This tragedy happens. This problem, this attention grabber, this person has drama. You know, you know what I'm saying? We just, it's really, really hard to focus anyway in the world that we live in. And so when God speaks to you, you know, living out of a journal, it'll change your life. It's how you stay on track. And so as I was going back through my journals, I just went through and I started highlighting all of the things that God had spoken to me. In this new journal, you know, I began to write out the various things that he had spoken. But here's the lesson that I actually got out of that process of going through my old journals. I realized that a large part of my journals, honestly, just was me spending time on stuff that in the big scheme of things, I'm not sure that it really matters. And the lesson I had from going through that was that a big part of my up level right now is not getting distracted. It's staying focused on what God is asking me to do. And I shared that to tell you, kind of as an intro to the last scripture that I want to read. In Romans 12, it says this. I mean, I'm sorry, Hebrews 12. It says this. And I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation because I feel like it's it, it brings something out that I'd never seen before that I wanted to talk about. In verse 1, it says, As for us, we all have these great witnesses who encircle us like the clouds. These are all of our, our loved ones that have gone before us, right? And it says, so we must let go, listen to this translation, of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination. For the path has already been marked out before us. I think it's kind of interesting. My book is called The Path Here. But it says, Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination, for the path is already marked out before us. We look away. In other words, we focus from the natural realm. 
In another translation, it says, looking away from all that would distract. We fasten our gaze onto Jesus, who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. So what am I saying? I'm saying that it's time to to focus, beloved. So once, as God shows you, you. The reason that you're, you're being shown you is so that you will focus on you. See, there is the real you. There is a future you. Okay? There's a future you. I get, I get, you know, the truth is faith is now. So even though we see it in the future because it's someone that you, you look at yourself and think, oh, I'm not that person right now. The truth is, in the spirit, you are that person. And the only reason you're not manifesting that person is because you're not focused that, and, and in agreement with that's who you are. So, and I'm, let me just give one more testimony here. I've lost weight because God showed me a, a version of myself that was thinner. And let me tell you how I did it. I got up every single morning. I stood on the scale. The weight that was on the scale was not my real weight. Now, granted, it said it wasn't because the scale was wrong. It's because it wasn't in agreement with what God showed me. So I would look at the scale. I would see my, my normal weight that I was supposed to be. And then I would take a shower and I would speak to my metabolism in the shower. And I would thank God that I had the metabolism of heaven and that fat was illegal in heaven. And so therefore I didn't have any excess fat on my body because my, I am a citizen of heaven. So there is no such thing as being overweight. And I did this every single day while I didn't do anything else. I didn't go to the gym. I didn't change my diet. And you know know me? I'm from Texas. I eat. You know? Texas girls eat. Texas girls eat. So the point is, it wasn't, there was no change in anything except me seeing with my spiritual eyes a number on the scale And me speaking to my metabolism. Now guess what? That is the way this world works. I know it's not the way it maybe works for you because you're speaking the things not that, you know, you aren't calling things that be not as though they are. You're calling things exactly like they are. Oh, I got to lose, blah, blah, blah. blah. I'm never going to lose this weight. Right? You're just speaking all kinds of nonsense. But the point, what am I saying? I'm saying that there is a version of you that does exist in the spirit. There is a you that is a future you, quote unquote, that God wants you to stay focused on because you will manifest what you see. And if you see yourself broke, sick, going around the mountain again, just same old nonsense over and over and over again, well, guess what? You're about to go down the same stupid road. But if you want to change something, how do we change something? We change it by faith. We change it by getting in agreement with what God says. We change it by believing the truth. And here's the beautiful thing. The Holy Spirit shows you the future. So you just can ask him, Holy Spirit, show me my future. Show me the future that you have planned for me. Show me things. When I very first started focusing on this scripture, I got all kinds of awesome things. 
Like I remember I knew, oh, I'm going to get called to preach. I got a phone call to preach. I just started to get like inside information about things that were going to be happening in my life. Who? And as you really begin to focus, I mean, God has worked this out so much in my life that I see, I see the future headquarters that I'm going to build. I see, I have an office in the future that I go to work out of a lot. And in my office in the future, I can see the accomplishments that my students have, have done on the walls of my office. Frankly, I can go to the future. I can talk to my future self. She's pretty smart. She has wisdom. She has wisdom. She has answers. I can go turn on my computer in my future office and I can make some decisions based upon future information. This is called working from the future. We do not have to live in time the way that we've been programmed to live in time. You can create from the future. Trust me, I work with musicians, with uh, creative people of all types. You, This stuff is finished in heaven. It's finished. Ah, the strategy is finished. And there is nothing that, it's not according to anything but your faith. I'm going to read a little bit about Hebrews chapter 12 before we wrap up here. Because a lot of times we think that the things that are going on in our life have dominion over us. But the truth is they have dominion over us because we've allowed them to have dominion over us. But it says here in the, in the I call it, you know, the Hebrews Hall of Fame here. Listen to this. It says, Faith, verse 4, moved Abel to choose a more acceptable sacrifice to offer God than his brother Cain. And God declared him righteous because of his offering by faith. By his faith, Abel still speaks instruction to us even though he's long dead. Faith lifted Enoch from this life and he was taken up to heaven. What did? Enoch's faith. He never had to experience death. He just disappeared from this world because God promoted him. Say up level. For before he was translated to the heavenly realm, his life had become a pleasure to God. And without faith living within us, it would be impossible to please God. Verse 7, faith opened Noah's heart to receive revelation and warnings from God about what was coming, even things that had never been seen. So guess what? Heart, Noah had a revelation. He saw the future. And then it says, but he stepped out in reverent obedience to God to build an ark that would save him and his family. By his faith, the world was condemned, but Noah received God's gift of righteousness that comes by believing. Faith moved Abraham to obey God's call. I'll keep going. Um, he journeyed through the land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, who were persuaded that they were co-heirs of the same promise. His eyes of faith were set on a city with unshakable foundations, whose archer, architect and builder is God himself. Talk about seeing the future. Sarah's faith embraced the miracle power to conceive, even though she was bearing and past the age of childbearing. Okay, it says, in fact, so many children were sub subsequently fathered by this ages man of faith, the one who was as good as dead, that now he has an offspring as innumerable as the sand on the seashore and as the stars in the skies. It says, these heroes all died still clinging to their faith, not even receiving all that has been promised to them. So I'm going to keep going here. 
It says the power of faith, verse 20, prompted Isaac to impart a blessing to his sons. Verse 21, Jacob worshipped in faith's reality at the end of his life. Verse 22, faith inspired Joseph and opened his eyes to see the future. For as he was dying, he prophesied about the exodus out of Israel out of Egypt. Verse 23, faith prompted the parents of Moses at birth to hide him for three months. 24, faith enabled Moses to choose God's will. That although he was raised as a son of Pharaoh's daughter, he refused to make that his identity. Choosing instead to suffer mistreatment with the people of God. Verse 28, faith spurred Moses to perform the rite of Passover and sprinkle lamb's blood to prevent the destroyer from harming their firstborn. Faith opened the way for the Hebrews to cross the Red Sea. Verse 30, faith pulled down Jericho's walls. 31, faith provided a way of escape for Rahab the prostitute. Verse 32, what more could I say to convince you? For there is not enough time to tell you of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Sansom, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. Through faith's power, they conquered kingdoms and established true justice. Their faith fastened onto promises and pulled them into reality. Let me say it again. Their faith fastened onto their promises and pulled them into reality. It was faith that shut the mouth of lions, put the power of raging fire Uh, put out the power of raging fire and caused many to escape certain death by sword. In their weakness, their faith imparted power to make them strong. It says faith sparked courage within them and they became mighty warriors in battle, pulling armies from another realm into battle array. Faith-filled women saw their dead children raised in resurrection power. Yet it was faith that enabled others to endure great atrocities. They were stretched out on the will and tortured, yet they didn't deny their faith in order to be freed because they longed for a more honorable and glorious resurrection. How? By faith. It says others were mocked and experienced the most severe beating with whips. They were in chains and imprisoned. Some of these faith champions were brutally killed by by stoning. These lived in faith and they went about wearing goatskins and sheepskins. They lost everything, but they endured great afflictions and they were cruelly mistreated. It says, truly the world was not even worthy of them, not realizing who they were. These are the true heroes, commended for their faith. They Yet they lived in hope without receiving the fullness of what had been promised to them. But read this in verse 40. But God has now invited us to live in something better than what they had. Faith's fullness. This is so they could be brought to finish perfection alongside of us. Now, why I re- I've read so much scripture tonight, but but you know what? When when I read the word, it's like it's a washes you. There's a washing that happens when I speak the word, and there's a washing, there's a cleansing that is coming over your thoughts and over your emotions, even as I speak right now. And I just want I'm telling you, beloved, you are going to see your future. Some of you are about to have a visitation. Some of you are about to be visited. The same way that I was visited one night, walking in my parking garage, getting home at 3.33 a.m. in the morning, not even in my right mind. And I'm walking across my parking garage, and I got a, I, I saw that time. I kept seeing 3.33, 3.33. And so I yelled out to no one in the parking garage. I said, what do you want? And I heard just as loud and clear a voice in my head say, it's time. And I'm telling you, it's time. It's time. 
It is time, beloved, to come out of hiding. It is time, beloved, to see the exit sign and get off the freeway that you've been driving on. It is time for you to get on the road to destiny, for you to get on the higher way, the not the highway, the higher way that leads you up to the mind of God so that you can find out what he thinks about you. So that you can see how he sees you. This is a transformation of epic proportions. You know, I have had these experiences. I'm not just speaking them. I had a guy one time, man, he just, he just prayed over me and I went into an open vision. It was the commissioning of God on my life. I am, do not discount the words that I am speaking. It may not happen today. It might not even happen tomorrow, but I'm telling you it's now. It's now. It's happening now. It's happening now. I don't know what day or what hour, but it's happening now. And you're, the, what you are about to see is going to set you free. And it is going to shatter the way that you have seen yourself. And as a result, it's going to completely transform the way that you've been living. I see a door. I see a door of opportunity opening. For whosoever will. It's a door of opportunity. And really all the Lord is asking you to say is yes. Just yes. You know, he's a a funny guy. Because even when you don't say yes, he has a way of getting you to yes. (laughs) You know? I'm thinking about Paul on the road to Damascus. You know, God's not above blinding you if that's what it takes to get on the right road. He's not above letting you see the light in a way that is fairly dramatic, if necessary. So let's say yes. Let's just say yes. Now as we... um. As we wrap up, I want to go back to that phrase in Hebrews chapter 12 that says, so we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. One of the things that I came into July with is an understanding of some things that I needed to let go of some specific situations that had happened to me over the course of my life that honestly I didn't need to be thinking about anymore. It was time to just let it go. Things that have happened to us, things that are driving us, things that we can't, you know, we may not even be thinking of of them even at a conscious level. I think it's kind of interesting that it's, you know, because the reality of it is I don't know that we know how to let go. And it really, if the, it really is a work of the Holy Spirit to help us do that. And so I, I believe what the Father's asking me, the reason he's highlighting this to me is, again, this isn't a work that we can do. It's kind of like telling the, the person that needs heart surgery to go perform heart surgery on themselves. Like that's, ridiculous. Like you're going to kill yourself. Don't do that. (laughs) Like don't try to perform heart surgery on yourself. But I do think 
that when we, I, I'm thinking of another scenario where, when you, you know, when you come to a yes, that you're unable to perform. With everything in your heart, you want to perform it, but for whatever reason you can't. I believe there is a place of grace in that place where God enters in (laughs) and does a work that is 100% him. And it's okay to need deliverance. Jesus Christ is a savior. He's a deliverer. I mean, we call him savior. (laughs) He is a deliverer. So it is okay to say, I need a savior. I need a deliverer. I think where the power comes, and I'm thinking about this one particular situation where God, I mean, I was obedient when Everything in me was terrified. I did not want to do it. I was terrified. There was nothing in me that... And I remember getting to the place of obedience, and it was so bad. I was so triggered and so hurt and so messed up. I I couldn't do it. I couldn't be obedient. I I told the Lord, "I, I want to do what you say, but I can't do it this way. And in that moment, I was in the bathroom. At the, a lot of things happened in the bathroom for me. I was in this ba- different bathroom. And just the power of God just came. I mean, I was, I was so desperate. I was so desperate. I wanted to obey. every. I, I didn't, but I did. You know, it's like I do, but I don't. I do, but I can't. Kind of that place. And I'll tell you, when you get to that place where I want, but I can't. Or I want to want, but I can't. There is grace, beloved. There is the power of God in that place. And I'm just going to pray, Father, I, I'm, I'm praying right now for these wounds that have pierced us. I'm praying for the, the wounds that are keeping us, God, from being able to be <laughs> who you created us to be. The wounds, Father, that stole our identity. The wounds, Father, that pierced us and caused us to to become a distorted image of ourselves and see ourselves not how we are, not how you created us, but caused us to, to despise who we are, that caused us to come into agreement with a version of ourselves that is was never us. And Lord, I'm releasing grace into every one of those wounds and I'm commanding healing right now in Jesus' name. And Father, you know what you're doing. You know, you are an incredible heart surgeon. And so God, I don't even know how to pray except to say, do what you do, Daddy. Do what you've done for me. Do what you have done for over and over again throughout the generations for people. There's too many testimonies to even recount. For the person I saw come out of the water and get delivered off of crack, God, for the person that I have seen. I just release it right now in Jesus' name. I just release an anointing for deliverance. I release an anointing and a grace for healing, for wounds, God, for deep, 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 
deep, hidden wounds right now, Father. I don't know how to do what you do, but you know how to do what you do. I don't know how you've done what you've done, (laughs) but you know how you've done what you've done. And so, God, I just release this, Father, right now in Jesus' name. I just release it. Chains breaking, Father. Distortions, Father, being brought back into clear focus. Restoration of sight, Father. Restoration of spiritual and and even physical sight, Father, to see the beauty, the beauty, God, of your creation. And Father, I just, I just, I just release this um, fire. I release your fire, Father. I release your fire to burn, to burn, to burn, to burn. Your passion, Father. Your passion. Your spirit, Father. The power of the Holy Spirit, God. I release the power, the resurrection power of Holy Spirit, the power that brought Jesus back from the dead, that reanimated his body, Father, that energized him, that brought him, his heart back to life, Father, that started his blood pumping again, that removed the rigor mortis, God. It's the power of God, the power of God. I just release the fullness, the fullness of whatever is necessary, God, in each and every listener's Body, Father, in their mind and their emotions and their heart, God. Whoo! I say thank you, Father, for your fire. Oh, God, I'm just, it's almost like I'm seeing my life flash before my eyes and I see all of the moves of God that you have done in my life, God, over the, over the years and over the decades. And I see, I met you here. I met you here. You met me here. You met me here, God. And Lord, I just, it's just so much grace and so much goodness. And God, I just, I just release an, even just an impartation, Father, an impartation of anything, Father, that you have given me, God. I have gone through the fire. <laughs> oh, Lord, you have brought me out. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I just release that, Father. Freely I've received. Freely I give. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I just declare, this is what I hear, we're going into the glory zone. We're going into the glory zone. (laughs) It's kind of like the opposite of a school zone. Instead of like safety patrol, it's like danger patrol. (laughs) Instead of having to go slow, you're just like supersonic, supersonic. (laughs) The glory zone, no limits. (laughs) Ain't no safety patrol here. Oh, anything goes. <laughs> woo! Outside of time, outside of... Woo, yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> the glory zone. The glory zone. So awesome. 
<laughs> I just release, Father, encounters in the glory zone. Encounters in the glory zone, God. I just declare encounters. Yeah, visions, Father. Yeah, just dreams in the glory zone, God. Whoa, I just declare. And I declare, God, there's no escape. Once you're in, you can't get out, God. They're just stuck in the glory zone. They're stuck in the glory zone. They're living in the glory zone, God. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. There's nothing that can touch you in this glory zone. There's nothing. There's nothing that can hurt you. There's nothing that can harm you. You are safe. You are safe in the glory zone. You are hidden. You are hidden in the glory zone. Hidden, 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 hidden in the glory zone. So good, Jesus. So good. So good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Glory to your name. Glory. Yes, Jesus. It's like an angel free for all in the glory zone. I mean, they don't even, they don't even have like a flying rules in here. They just, they're just crazy in here. They're just flying all around, zooming by. Man, it's awesome. Yes, they are so just, they, they never hit each other though, man. They know they're just incredible. They're all over the place, all over the place. Yeah, there's a lot going on in the glory zone. Yes, thank you, Jesus. I feel like the Lord's going to teach us how to live in the glory zone. Thank you, Father. Give us revelation. And so, Lord, I just seal up everything that you've spoken over every single person, God. And I just declare, ha, just increase and multiplication, God. And I just turn up the volume even more, God, on, on their encounters and on the presence of God in their lives. I just, I just declare where the enemy has come in, Father. I mean, come on. He doesn't outdo you. He doesn't outdo you where the enemy has come in. Man, it's just like a, like a black hole. Just sucks him up. So we just thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Well, as we wrap up tonight, as always, let me pray. I, Father, hmm, I just release breakthrough. And I just declare, Father, that this is the season where the wounds that have pierced us are healed and we are up-leveling to a new understanding of who we are. We see ourselves the way you do and we are manifesting who we were recreated in Christ to be, who you created us to be. And I bless every listener, Father, with the fullness of that, whatever that means for them. In Jesus' name. Well, awesome. I want to encourage you to, if you are a regular listener to the podcast, I encourage you to support the work that we're doing here in the ministry. This podcast is going all over the, all over the planet. 
Uh, I'm getting invitations to go places because people are listening. Share the podcast. Share the podcast with your pastor. Share it with uh, your friends. I'll tell you, God is using uh, this podcast uh, to transform lives. Uh, head on over to Shalise.com, you know, become a partner with the ministry, support the, the, the podcast financially. And, um, also, as I said, again, if you are interested in working with us directly, if you are ready to hear God clearly encounter God, like never before, find your life purpose and step into it, then apply to emerge. Email us at info at Shalise.com and we will get you hooked up. God bless you. I love you. Thank you for listening. Until next time, it's breakthrough time.